to episode 25 of the smoking snake podcast uh i am your host peter um and of course we are always joined by uh the other host of this podcast enric um enric hope you're having a great night uh lots of brazilian football uh action to talk about including the dramatic conclusion to the youth tournament the copinha uh, or the the uh, Sao Paulo State Tournament, um, the youth tournament. Uh, how did you find this tournament? And uh, you know, how do you, how are you looking back now that it's all concluded? Yeah, Peter, it's always wonderful just to talk about Brazilian football and so many competitions that have recently started. And as you mentioned, Copinha is a big one with all the young players trying to express their talent and maybe make their professional move to a big club. So it's been a really good competition and something that gave us as fans something to watch after the World Cup. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think everyone is, there's so much uh, prestige, of course, around this tournament. And, you know, there's eyes from across Brazil and indeed the Americas and lots of lots of scouting interest. And in a lot of these players, everyone's looking for that next Neymar, that next uh, Vinicius Jr., that next uh, Rodrigo, um, and they're out there somewhere. And I think we got we got a great um, inside look into a few players that could reach that 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 caliber. A lot of them on Palmeiras, who of course would be the eventual winners of this tournament. Um, but uh, you know, let's let's turn back the clock just a little bit. Um, you know, talk me through some of uh, you know, some of your favorite matches and, and players in this tournament, things that you were looking out for um, and, and kind of your thoughts and opinion on how the uh, tournament unfolded as a whole. Well, it's been a wonderful competition so far. So many teams, so many matches being played that it's probably difficult to even memorize who played where, but just something very fun to watch in general. Santos had a great start. They won many or the first two games in the Copinhas group stage until we lost to Sao Andre, I believe, in the third one. But still, that didn't really cause any problems to us because we had ensured our place to the knockout stages. And as soon as we went there, we had some difficult times against teams like Sao Bernardo, where we barely won to one and then destroyed Bahia 4-0 at home, and so on and on until we faced Agua Santa, Fortaleza. So we kept sticking there, but other rivals, uh, state rivals, Palmeiras, did an amazingly good job. They kept winning 6-0, 4-0s, 5-0s against teams that they came up against. And when it comes up to big stages, uh, I, in my opinion, Santos isn't really prepared for that, no matter how many big talents we have. And that's what happened exactly in the game against America when we lost 3-0, a really shocking match, I think, which we could have and should have won and go to the final and played against Palmeiras, but it didn't happen in that way. 
Yeah, and it's unfortunate to one of our stars, of course, Miguelito, um, Miguel Terceros, uh, the Bolivian uh, uh, winger, um, and, and uh, uh, plays across the the kind of the attacking midfield and, and forward line. Um, very versatile player. He tragically lost um, a family member, um, had to um, go, I think, back home to Bolivia, but he was out for the for the tournament, and I think he really would have helped um, but like you said, Santos crash out to America, um, who had a very nice team indeed, um, and gave Palmeiras a run for the money. Like you said, Palmeiras just absolutely running over all sorts of competition. Um, you know, we talk, of course, about Santos's youth academy. We've talked a lot about Flamengo and their ability to to integrate youth youth talents into their main team. Um, but Palmeiras has been so impressive. They they go back to back here in the Copinha. Um, winning, winning uh, two years in a row, um, and really impressive stuff. And they have got a bunch of bunch of different players um, that are all really, really impressive, and should be making a mark pretty soon in professional football. Um, let's talk about a little bit about the final. Palmeiras two, America one. Really, really dramatic game. Um, lots of energy. It opened, you know, in uh, with a frantic pace. Palmeiras struck first, um, but America responded with a penalty late in the first half, and um, they had to retake the penalty. Actually, the, the first pen was stopped, but um, but I think it was Marquez uh, or, or Marks uh, uh, scored the the pen on the on the second attempt, um, and uh, it you know looked to be. Uh, 1-1 stalemate despite Palmeiras uh, coming out in waves towards the end of the game. In added time, uh, Patriki, the um, Palmeiras man, heads, gets a header from the corner. They win at, uh, you know, the last, last second, the dying numbers of the game. And wow, what a, what a, what a final and... Congrats to Palmeiras. They've been winning absolutely everything, um, but very, lots of, lots of drama there. Yeah, 100%. And I saw the match too. Uh, it was a crazy one. And as, as soon as Palmeiras took the lead, you knew that 100% they would win the competition once more. And that penalty given to America is the thing that changed everything about this game. In my opinion, that penalty shouldn't have been given, first of all, because uh, the player, the Palmeiras defender, just took the ball away. It's not that he just made contact with the player's foot and dropped into the ground. He actually touches the ball and picks the ball up. So in my opinion, that's nothing wrong with that. And even when uh, the penalty was taken for a second time on the original try, in my opinion, the goalkeeper had a good position. His foot was um, in front of the line. Everything seemed perfect. And I have no idea why the referee gave him a second chance. And on that second chance, uh, America scores and that changes Palmeiras complete view of the match because uh, everything prior to this game, they were used to winning 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, destroying the opponent. And now for the first time, they concede one goal. So they don't know how to react. How do we play and go on to winning this match? And that's what we saw until they scored the second goal in the dying minutes. Yeah. I mean, Palmeiras... You know, say what you will. Of course, they've got the money and they've got the, um, you know, the legacy there. But it does take a lot, especially when you're a youth player and you're used to dominating teams six nil, four nil, five nil. Um, 
you know, it does take some mental fortitude when you're in a close game game and you're grinding against a team that is more or less your equal. Um, uh, you know, it, it takes, it takes a, a lot of strength to, uh, um, to, to keep going and to maintain form. Um, and, and they ended up getting the win um, and uh, really, really, really great, uh, you know, impressive stuff from Paul Maris and, and their Academy um, Copinha's top player is Palmer's Kevin. Um, part of that, uh, really impressive front three, Kevin, uh, Ron Ribeiro, and then, um, the, uh, the player nicknamed Messino, um, but his, his real name is Estevao. Um, but he's, uh, Kevin, part of that, that front three, five goals, five assists, really impressive, only eight matches. So, um, r- really great to see. And, uh, uh, the, the, the Palmer striker that I just mentioned, uh, Rowan um, scores uh, nine goals in, in eight matches. Really, again, just can't can't praise that team enough. Um, so Copinha, great competition, tons of uh, uh, action, and I'm really eager to see which stars um, you know uh, form from off the back of that competition. We saw Andriki, of course, dominate last year. Now he's in the pros. Um, I'm sure there'll be two or three players that are going to follow in his path. Um, all right, moving from youth football to professional, Campeonato Paulista, the Sao Paulo State Tournament, kicks off in fine fashion. Yes, I'm, uh, one of the first games in this competition, Santos against Mirasol. What an opening, crazy scenes that was in honor of Pelé, who recently died, and something we mentioned in previous podcasts as well, and in my opinion, this is a much needed win for Santos in order to honor their former legend. And to do that at their home stadium is just amazing. Although we ended up we ended up conceding first against Mirosol. Uh Marcos Leonardo and Lucas Braga came back scoring two goals. And we could have even scored a third one, but Marcos Leonardo missed a pen, I believe, in the dying minutes. But still, mm-hmm. very happy with the result and it's been a Santos uh, team who we have been waiting for, but we needed to see that in the coming matches as well. Yeah, and, you know, I think that game may have lured a lot of fans and maybe even the players into a false sense of con- uh, of, um, of confidence. Um, you know, the next few games for Santos have been pretty tough. Um, they finished five in Paulista, uh, dropping the game to Guarani, um, and then uh, three consecutive draws against teams they really should be uh, should be winning against, um, especially Agua Santa. You know, one of the worst teams in the in the the Paulista. You've got to get three points there, and um, it's just they they haven't looked good. And already on social media, there was a confrontation between fans. Fans have smashed up a few things um uh, the environment even after five matches is just getting a little bit toxic um and it's one of those things that we like to try to avoid and and talk you know down um and try to have people have a little bit more patience um but it's one of the downsides of brazilian football enric anything santos can do or any bright spots that you've seen in the team well honestly this is something that we pretty much expected, something that we've seen in the recent years in Campeonato Paulista. And as you said, uh, fans 
confronting uh, with players. It's the same thing happening with a coach. I see so many opinions about people saying, oh, who should be our next uh, coach? And they're not really in favor of Odair Heldman. And in my opinion, he needs more time. Although we would have liked to have the former Flamengo coach back in our stadium, I think if things continue to end up very bad in the coming month or two, then that's when we should take a new coach into the consideration. So in my opinion, it shouldn't be now. But other than that, the players are very young and I know they need time to prove themselves, but we have players who have been actually playing here for a long time, like Marcos Leonardo, Angelo, and Soteldo, who came back from alone outside uh, the continent. So I don't know what needs to improve, but the results definitely do for our team. Yeah, agreed. And and I'm hoping Alman can can make the necessary adjustments. Um, one bright spot that I thought was Steven Mendoza getting off the mark um, for Santos. Uh, Sierra's um, top scorer last year and, and joining the team this year, Mendoza um, uh, looks to be a good player, and I think he could – uh, really help with our um, our offense generation. Just uh, you know, that's an area where Santos have really sc- have really struggled. Um, uh, you know, they have I think something like the worst expected goals in the in the Paulista right now. Um, a lot of times they just rely on Marcus Leonardo, and and that's about it. So any sort of uh, any sort of uh, help they can get in the goal scoring department would be uh, would be very much appreciated. I think Mendoza does that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And going back to that opening week again, uh, as soon as Santos wins a match, it's something that we usually see in the Brasileiro too, uh, winning a game and then continuing to disappoint mm. in the next few matches. So a loss to Guarani was horrible. A team that. Going back to 2012, we beat them in the Paulista, I think, and also in 2020 Copa do Brazil final, if I'm not mistaken. Like more than eight goals scored in that match. So this is completely different though what the fans have been used to and understand their frustration. So even in the coming weeks, a tie against uh, Sao Bernardo, a tie against Aguasanda, and just a tie yesterday against Ferroviaria is just shocking and it was great to see Alano, uh, the former Santos legend who coaches for Oviaria, uh, coming back and greeting all our fans uh, before the match started. So that was a positive thing. But other than that, uh, as I said, Santos has been disappointing. And just before the game, I was actually going to tweet that my score prediction for this match would be 1-1, and that's exactly what happened. So <laughs> nothing more that I expected from my team other than a tie or maybe even a loss. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So that's Santos and we'll stop, you know, moaning about them now. Um, moving on to some of the other big teams in the division. Um, you know, no one is really off to a flying start. Even the champions, um, Paul Maris, uh, you know, two wins, two draws, um, nothing too impressive from them. Um Corinthians as well, um, two wins, a draw. Sao Paulo, two wins, two draws. So very much, um, you know, a slow start for all the big uh, Paulista teams. 
Yes, and when you look at the group we're currently in, uh, I know other teams have been doing really great. Sao Paulo is in the first place. Uh, Palmeiras and Corinthians are both in second, but there's only like one or two points difference for them to go on top. But then looking at Santos, they're currently in fourth with six points. I know we have a tough group with Red Bull Bragantino, who have been in the same group with us for the last two Paulistas. We have suffered. And we're just going to wait and see how everything turns up in the coming weeks. And hopefully, first of all, we avoid the relegation zone. And secondly, go to the knockout stages. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And only a two-point difference between us and, and Botafogo of Sao Paulo. So not too concerned in, in, in making the uh, knockouts. Um, I think there'd be hell to pay if, if, uh, if we don't. But, but um, you know, I'm definitely envious of some of the other teams that look like they are in a better uh, situation. Um, any other closing thoughts on, on Paulista? Um, you know, it's it's very much business as usual, you know, that the the big teams doing what you'd expect. And I think that's a lot of the criticism of some of these uh, state tournaments. Um, uh, just one quick note to add Santos uh, wonder kid, really 18 year old Angelo linked with a big time move to the Premier League. Uh, Nottingham Forest is linked with him. Um, and uh don't know how concrete those rumors are it looks to be you know pretty pretty um a lot of a lot of smoke a lot of smoke uh but we don't know when that move would would take place and um uh just something to keep your eye on um but uh let's move on to rio uh the campeonato carioca um again kind of the same story here uh the big boys doing a lot of um you know, a lot of the heavy lifting here, uh, Fluminense, Flamengo, Botafogo, all, um, you know, towards the top of the table, Vasco more mid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, pretty, pretty much as you would expect, right, Enric? Yeah, hundred percent. And all these teams have potential to win the competition this season. And we've seen some upsets. For example, we mentioned last week, Botafogo losing to Audax Angra, 1-0 at home. And uh, the same thing happened to Fluminense this week. Botafogo actually won in Maracanã with a goal scored by Victor Sa. So we're going to have to wait and see how they're going to end up doing this season. Uh, Flamengo, in my opinion, are the huge favorites, but we shouldn't neglect other teams uh, like Fluminense, Botafogo, and Vasco, who can potentially cause some harm in the future. Yeah, definitely. And... um like you referenced uh, our, our, our previous episode with Pete. Um, and if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Um, Pete DeHeat, uh, our Botafogo expert, uh, joined us to talk to all things Botafogo and um, kind of explained to us their that mentality uh, of that team that, you know, they view it more as a bonus trophy and, you know, maybe they're not going to exert themselves to their, um, to the limit in this competition. Um but uh, Botafogo is still getting the job done. Um, uh, another piece of Botafogo news, uh, Jeffinho looks like he's on his way to France uh, with a loan plus option to buy. Um, also some rumors of a, an ob obligation to buy. So um, uh, Jeffinho to Lyon, which is also uh, owned at least in part by John Textor. Um, so no doubt he's pulling some strings on either end of the Atlantic to uh, 
to make this deal happen. Um, so it'd be great to see him in, uh, in France. And, um, you know, he had a great end of the season last year. I'd like to see him in Brazil for a little bit longer, just to see that consistency. Um, but, uh, either way we, you know, um, if this deal does go through, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd like to wish him the best. Another deal uh, involving a real team, Flamengo's uh, defensive midfielder, uh, Joao Gomez. It looks like he's headed to England. Uh, 15 million pound move to Wolves, it looks like. Um, again, such a great player. Uh, a lot of praise last year, and deservedly so, um, for the uh, Libertadores champions. Um he's just another player in a long list that have been really impressing in Brazil and earning earning their spot in England. Um, and wow, those English clubs really like to spend the money. So um, if it does go through again, we want to wish him the best. And um, I'm sure he'll be successful, especially in such uh, a team like Wolves, where um, it seems like every other player speaks Portuguese, whether from Brazil or, or, or Portugal. So uh, that's great to see. Um, moving on again, a lot of this is business as usual, uh, for the state tournaments, but, uh, the Gaucho definitely has a little bit more of excitement in it. Uh, thanks to, um, Luis Suarez, of course. Yes. And what a player he has been. I'm not sure if we talked about him in any of the recent episodes, but, uh, the super cup for Gaucho, something like that. He scored three goals in the first half. What a what a game to reveal what talent and what type of player he is when it comes to goal-scoring opportunities. Luis Suarez, I'm sure he's going to continue to do amazing with Gremio in the Brasileiro, and we're going to have to wait and see how everything is going to turn up until then. But for now, in the Gaucho, he's been doing really great in the first match against Caixa. He scored in that one winning game and even in the next one when Grêmio won just by one goal against Brazil de Pelotas it was Suarez who got in the score sheet and uh, I think this season uh, there are going to be great rivals to Internacional who also had a bad start uh, with a 2-2 draw against Juventude and also a 1-1 against Avenida so we're just going to have to wait to see how they're going to be playing in the coming weeks in Gaucho and maybe become great rivals for Luis Suarez. Yeah, absolutely. And and Suarez, he's already, of course, beloved by the fans. He's hit the ground running, like you said, that hat truck in uh, the Copa Gaucho um, and, and now two goals in two games for Remio in, in Campeonato Gaucho. Um uh, also, photos on social media making the rounds of, of Suarez and his family in the grocery store, you know, looking like just just a regular guy um, and and taking pics with fans and, and signing autographs for um, young kids. So awesome to see that he's kind of embracing the local life in Porto Alegre and uh, uh, he's really becoming beloved, even though it's been, you know, four games, maybe for for uh, for Luis Suarez. So Awesome to see. And yeah, it's going to be great when that first um, uh, Classico comes around, um, uh, that Granal Derby, 
Uh, wow, that's going to be awesome to see Luis Suarez uh, facing against Internacional, of course, finishing who finished second last year. So um, lots of drama to be had in Gaucho, uh, although just not yet. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely keep your eye on that competition. Um, again, in uh, Minas, um, the usual suspects are off and running, Cruzeiro and Atletico Minero, um, doing what it needs to uh they need to do um, getting a few wins under their belt. Also, America Monero, um, who I think maybe we may overlook at times. Um, but this is a team that consistently make uh, Libertadores and Sudamericana uh, spots in in um, Brazil. Um, and of course, they've got that great youth team that just went to the finals of Copinha. So um, any uh, any points that that you're watching here, or anything that you're watching for in uh, um, in Minas? Yeah, America has been underdogs not only in the Copinha by reaching the finals and also having a great start in the Minero, but also in the last year's Brasileiro, they finished around eighth or ninth in the competition, which was pretty good to see from a team like them and. Maybe they can even win Mineiro, although Hulk has had an impressive start for Atletico Mineiro, scoring two goals in the opening match and also another one in the game against uh, Serie B team Tombense. So hopefully it's going to be a good tournament and surprises coming soon for any team playing in this competition. Yeah, and it's going to be great to have Cruzeiro back in uh, the top division of the uh, Brasileirao um you know this is a rivalry i think that's really been one side in the past few years of course um but uh i think with the rise of cruzero and hopefully atletico Mineiro can get together their team a bit more and um and and try to challenge for that title they won it two years ago and they really dropped the ball last year i think in uh, when you look at um their squad on paper so um you know, it would be great to see them uh, challenge the the Flamengo Palmeiras, um, uh, you know, power dynamic there that towards the top of the league, um, and, uh, and and try to put their name in the mix. Um, like you said, Hulk, great start to the tournament, and um, he should be he should be a player to watch in uh, in Brasileirao as well. Uh, just one other note, I think, as we're looking through the rest of these state competitions, again, <clears throat> great for local fans and, uh, you know, always great to start off your season with a trophy. But a lot of these competitions, just these clubs aren't playing against their peers. They're playing against smaller, much smaller clubs. And unfortunately, a lot of these smaller states, um, the the big club just kind of wins every year. But some good news for those who are, fans of the city football group um man city's kaiki scores uh kaiki of course uh formerly a fluminense wonder kid went to man city um and just didn't work out in the in the youth uh setup there he comes back loaned to uh, bahia who of course are now a part of that city football group and uh, he scores in the classico between bahia and vitoria so uh, great to see him back in action, scoring goals in Brazil, and um, really hopeful that uh, he'll make an impact. Uh, you know, not just with Bahia, but hopefully on the the bigger scene and, and earn a move back to Europe. <clears throat> um, all right, so um, that was just a quick check in and catch up with all the state tournaments. 
uh, or at least most of them, most of the big ones. Uh, before we conclude for the night, another big time match in Brazil. Um, you know, it's one of those things, if you win it, you say you don't care. But if you, or if you lose it, you say you don't care. If you win it, you count it as a trophy. You pop it in the trophy case. But the Brazilian Super Cup uh, was a fantastic match. Palmeiras four, Flamengo three. Uh, really exciting. Lots of goals, Enric, huh? Yeah, seven goals scored. Pretty amazing to see. And some fans were even considering this to be even better than the Flamengo's 5-4 win against Santos in 2012. But I don't think anything beats that match uh, 11 years ago. And what an amazing Super Cup to watch. And so many goals scored, as you mentioned. And two teams that in the past years or seasons have come across each other and fighting head-to-head in Libertadores and Brasileiro. So it was pretty exciting to see how they're going to turn up for this match the beginning of the season and how Flamengo's coach, former Corinthians coach, was prepared against great rivals, Palmeiras. Yeah, two titans of Brazilian football, really the the dominant two um, in, in, in right now. Um, you know, all the stars were out as well for both teams. Uh, Dudu, Rafael Vega, Gabriel Menino um, on, on the Palmeiras side. And then, of course, the Hascaeta, Gabriel Barbosa, Pedro, um uh all all playing roles there too um some of the best goals i've seen in a while i know people were like you said comparing it to that four five game uh back in the day and maybe it didn't quite live up to that but some really incredible goals including gabriel menino's uh second half uh, or sorry I, I think it was in the first um you know, absolute banger from, from distance. Um, Gabriel Barbosa uh, chips the keeper, um, which was, which was uh, crazy. Um, and then uh, uh, Palmeiras score a penalty, not too much later, uh, Rafael Vega. Um, and right back up the other end, Pedro with a, with a sensational back heel, just, it just looks so casual um uh to to equalize uh just this game had it all it was so exciting ultimately gabriel menino bags a brace uh scores the goal that would be the winner and uh palmaris take the take the trophy home uh four to three but but yeah just an incredible match if you get a chance go check out check out the highlights um and anytime these two teams get together whether it's uh, you know, Libertadores final Brazilian Super Cup. I don't care if they're playing, you know, just a five aside game. You're going to want to watch this. Um, and the quality is really, really impressive. Um, so, yeah, again, uh, Palmeiras, congrats. Copinha, Brazilian Super Cup. Uh, they won the league last year, of course. They're the favorites for the Paulista. Um, you know, they are going to take some serious stopping this year. Yeah, and once again, what a great game to watch. Uh, six goals scored by three different players, two for Gabigol, two for Gabriel Menino, and two for Rafael Vega. And in my opinion, Gabriel Menino's first goal, as you said, was one of the best goals I've seen, hitting top bends and also Pedro's, Pedro's back heel. What an amazing touch he had to send the ball in the back of the net. And 
a game where I would have hoped for Flamengo to win this competition because as Santistas, we don't really like Palmeiras. And <laughs> hopefully this is probably the last seat or the last cup that they win in a couple of years. Yeah, we can only hope so. But uh, congrats to them. And Gabriel Menino, you know, he's a player that was linked with a bunch of teams a few years ago. Um, he kind of declined for a bit. He was, you know, he was going to be the next Neymar. Um, and uh, it's 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 been a little bit slow for him recently, but he's really coming into his own for this Palmeiras team. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some European clubs uh, are taking a second look at him, um, you know, especially with players like uh, Gustavo Scarpa leaving Brazil, you know, later in their 20s. You know, if it works out for Scarpa in, in, in Forest, then I could see, you know, some other teams looking at some of the mid-20s, you know, Brazilian players that are dominating in Brazil and maybe they they get picked up and move to Europe. So uh, Gabriel Menino, fantastic player. Um, all right. Uh, before we leave, uh, just the one match that we're going to highlight in the uh, next week. Um, but it is a big one. It is a huge one. Uh, it is Palmeiras Santos next Saturday, Saturday the 4th of February. Um, humongous Sao Paulo Derby. Um, unfortunately, I only see it going one way. Uh, Enric, curious to hear your thoughts and give your famous prediction on this one. Well, I'm thinking the same as you, Peter. I don't think we have any chance of even tying this game or even scoring a goal in this game. So, this was also my prediction a couple of months ago when we played in uh, Palmeiras Stadium and we lost only 1-0, I believe. So even here, I think Palmeiras is surely going to win the match, but it's probably not going to be too many goals scored. So I'm going Palmeiras to Santos 0. Yeah, I can't imagine a, a, a much different scoreline. Palmeiras, of course, getting set to to make that journey to the Club World Cup um, in February as well. Um, Santos do have a way of, I, we've noticed this pattern, I think we've talked about it before, of kind of getting up for bigger games. Um, and, and some of their players are just a little bit more motivated in these games against big clubs. Um, it's usually easier to, to get yourself amped for a big match than, you know, playing, uh, you know, Agua Santa, for example, on like a Wednesday night. Um, but I think you're right. Palmer is just too much quality. And I think that uh, it'll be a one-sided match. Um, and that's just the reality of, of the, the current period, but for the atmosphere and the history um I think this is a game you absolutely must tune in for Palmeiras Santos next Saturday, the 4th. All right. So that concludes episode 25 of the Smoking Take podcast. Uh, a lot of straightforward action, but action nonetheless in Brazil, as it always is. Uh, these state tournaments can be sometimes a grind. So we'll have to hope for um, a little bit more drama in the coming week. But uh, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Uh, but until then, uh, have a great night.